Good morning. Why I'm here today is just to tell you a story. Uh, a story of, of how I believe uh, God brought two guys uh, together who didn't know each other. And through that, um, taught them both the meaning of Proverbs 17, 17. Uh, most of you probably know that. A friend loves at all time and a brother is born for adversity. And uh, the story starts in 2002. And in 2002, um, I knew of Cohen Washburn. Uh, I'd heard the name. I knew he uh, was uh, somebody important at Walmart, had been somebody important at Walmart. Um, I knew he had built an office park up uh, north side of town, maybe the first one kind of set the standard for that. So I knew a few things about him, but I didn't know Colin Washburn. Big difference between knowing uh, about somebody, just as like if there's a big difference, for instance, in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. So in 2002, uh, that's the second year of, I don't even think it was called influencers then, and uh, I've been in the first group of guys that Rocky had led through uh, this thing that eventually turned into a ministry. And, and uh, he started a second one, and, and uh, he broke his leg. Was it playing golf, LeBron? I think it was. I think I might have been with him that day when I was playing with him. And, and so he asked me to come in and, and uh, take his notes and try to lead a group. And, and uh, that was difficult because Rocky writes in Mississippi E's. And it's a little hard to understand. But uh, uh, I ended up in there through no control of my own. And, and there was a lot of guys in that group, but there was one that stood out, and, and that was Colin. And, and I was drawn to that guy. So that began a, a personal journey for Colin and me uh, that continued for the last seven, 16 years, 16 years. And uh, we began to know each other slowly, day by day. Um, we begin to know our strengths, our weaknesses, our fears, our dreams. Um, most importantly, we begin to share our spiritual journey, which we found out was, was kind of similar. We were radically different guys, but we did have some similarities. We are both small-town guys. You young guys can't believe that Rogers had 5,000 people when I moved here in 1951. Bentonville had 2,500. So it was a small town. He was raised in a small town in Missouri. Uh, both had hardworking fathers that, that uh, devoted their life to their, to their professions. So um, in that 16 years, you can imagine that, that life brings a lot of good times and a lot of hard times. And we had the opportunity to, to share those. Uh, um, he taught us to, to love well all the time uh, as we celebrated our victories and walked through together our trials. <coughs> there, were some, there were some real ones. So we, we began to understand the first part uh, of Friend Loves at All Times and year by year, we begin to see a little deeper that, that a brother's born for, for adversity. Years ago, I, I had uh, read a book by Gordon MacDonald um, called um, 
renewing your spiritual passion. And in the middle of that, he talked about that all of us, every one of you sitting out there, need six special friends. And and I'd never heard of that. And and it really impacted me. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And and those six special friends were a mentor or a disciple, an affirmer, an intercessor, a pastor, and then two more, a partner, you need a partner, uh, a person who shares the load with you, uh, who picks up the load and accepts the responsibility for it. Nothing's too menial or outrageous if partners believe in each other. And the last one is the rebuker. That's a hard one. Truth tellers. Rebukers are truth tellers. One rarely grows without a rebuke. Uh, One solid loving rebuke is worth a hundred affirmations. Nothing wrong with affirmations, and we need affirmers, but a rebuke is better than an affirmation. The purifiers, which keep uh, spiritual our spiritual passion clear and forceful. And so for me, I don't know what I was to him. And I don't know that we ever talked about this. Although we did talk about the second one. Uh, but he was my partner for 16 years, somehow. Two guys, this guy high up in the corporate world and this guy that ran a little small family business and who, who were radically different in their personalities, uh, ended up being partners. And uh, it was uh, a special time. It was, it was something very special. And the rebuker part, uh, now he didn't like that role. He, we love being partners. And I'm not a rebuker. And he hated it when I told him he was. He did not like it. But he did it with me when he had to. Uh, last time he did it was, uh, was about nine months ago. And it, it, it's, so if you don't have a rebuker, you might want to ask the Lord to give you one. <laughs> Be careful. But I, I personally can testify that having that type of person in your life can change you. Uh, it forces you to look at the truth and say, wow, maybe what he's saying is something I need to think about. So through those 16 years, uh, and I think by the amazing grace of God, uh, not only did Colin and I become these deep friends, but he gave us all these opportunities to serve together right away. In the early years, um, uh, there was something called the Influencers Roundtable where we were trying to figure out in Northwest Arkansas, how would we, how would we get this journey thing out to, to more people? And, and we were drawn into that immediately. That led to us co-guiding several journey groups together over the years. Um, I don't know if he was in the one that 
that we did. Was he was he part of that one? Yeah. Um, uh, we met uh, we met a man named Marvin together. Uh, that came through Nick Robbins, and uh, we were able to mentor Marvin together. We met with Marvin every week for a year uh, down in Springdale, and, and uh, Marvin uh, is alive and doing well, and, and is our dear friend. Marvin will have a deep hole in his uh, life now that COVID is gone. Um, as we led these journey groups, uh, uh, a common theme began to develop, and, and that was uh, the journey group's over. What am I supposed to do now? What do you mean we're not going to meet in two weeks? Because even though the journey group is not aimed at bringing men together, it really does. That's a secondary benefit. And so in 2009, he gave me a book called Tribes. Wasn't a uh, wasn't a Christian book, but it was a powerful book, and <laughs> some of you guys were were part of that early effort to form a tribe. We didn't know what we were doing. We just kind of faintly understood that maybe men needed to connect with each other. Uh, that was one of the critical parts, if not the critical part, uh, to our pursuit of. of of trying to do something that, that led to why that, that led to man church two years later uh, and today we call it convoy but he was an absolute trigger point for that uh, over the last uh, seven years then we've been involved in that one where he was gone for 18 months when he was working in uh, Virginia uh, when we first started that but uh, he was always part of that and we always talked about it, and he, he's been an integral part of, of Convoy. And uh, then uh, over our relationship with Nick over the last eight years or so, uh, we began to see a, a need for something in northwest Arkansas, uh, and, and that uh, led us to take a leap of faith and, and, and form a little group of guys and say, could we raise $100,000 and, and today uh, Returning Home exists and uh, some of you guys know something about Returning Home and hopefully that will be something that, that we can uh, deepen. Uh, Marcus told his story down there to six or so guys. Uh, they were down there Wednesday night, wasn't it Wednesday night? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll tell you more about Returning Home in the years uh, ahead. But at any rate, uh, you can see that that uh, for me that why these years have been so rich because of my friendship with Cohen that that having a partner when you're out there serving the Lord is so much I don't I don't know the Lord's better richer more rewarding I, I don't know but it means a lot it just means a lot. And if you're out there on your own, I'd encourage you to think about asking again, Lord, bring you a partner. Bring you somebody like Colin, who is always available, always willing, and always available. Well, the man I came to know, and I think some of you obviously, we don't all know Colin at the same level, but uh, the man I came to know was not the man that I knew of at all. Uh, he was a quiet man. 
a man of wisdom. Uh, he was one of the best listeners I've ever known. Probably the best listener. Uh, he always had that. Uh, he always had his uh, journal there with him, and, and and while you were talking, he was writing. He was so he could go back and say, well, on. On April 15, 2014, this is what you said. <laughs> so you had to be careful what you said. Uh, he was a man who walked justly. He was a humble man. Um, he was a man of absolute loyalty. I'm going to think about that one for a minute. Because he had some deep trials. And his loyalty never wavered. I had a hard time getting that one out. Because it's true. It just never wavered. He was always loyal to his vows, to his words. He's a man who loved the Lord with all his heart. He's a man who figured out for him what abiding in Christ looked like. And that drove him, led him every single day. So his story and my story, there's good news here. Because to me it's a beautiful picture of the good news of the gospel. That none of us are trapped by our past. You know. I... He was honest with me. I knew a lot of the bad stuff that happened in the glory years of Colin Washburn. And he and I shared a lot of that stuff. Um, but we weren't trapped by it. Uh, he learned well. Uh, and as a result, he touched so many lives. And over the last, what I don't know, five years or so, there's been a group of us, I call them the gray hairs. Uh, that was Colin and Steve, or Steve, LeBron, Norm, and me. Uh, we spent a lot of hours together in our little half day of prayers once a month, and then we added a monthly lunch, and of course, just in the one-on-one -on -one time we had with each other. But we were, uh, each of them, Norm, Steve, LeBron, you guys could be up here today telling your own stories about LeBron, right? And, and Mike, you could do the same thing. A lot of people here could be telling the same story. But over the last uh, um, year or so, and, 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 and this was percolated in our foxhole too but maybe it was because it was percolating in the old group and I brought it to the to the foxhole um, part of Paul's uh, first letter to the Thessalonians stood out to us and it's it's the it's the it's a, the one scripture that I have memorized probably be joyful always pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So to end up my part here this morning, uh, I'm going to read you the last email I got from Colin that he sent out to a few guys. And he sent it out on uh, Sunday, April 29th. 
And I want you to listen carefully now as I think he speaks 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And again, he's a man of few words, remember. So I'm actually reading you what the email said. This is how it starts. A few thoughts. Praise God for Dana was home when the event occurred. That was the first time he went to the hospital. My cardiologist and his APN were on a call that day. Convenient and up-to-date hospital. Medical team who cared for me. Cardiologist, hospitalist, pulmonologist, surgeon, and two APNs. Support from my foxhole in the waiting room, daughters, half-day of prayer group, that's the old guys, Rodney, Mickey, Randy, family, CR, and fellowship. Mercy Heart and Lung Rehab. Cardiologist nurse Heather dealing with AFib last weekend when he was back in the hospital. Be thankful in all circumstances. Prayer requests. Strength, endurance, patience, and perseverance to continue my journey one day at a time. Surrender to God my circumstances and renew my identity in Jesus each moment. Give doctors wisdom to guide my journey. Stay connected with family and friends. Strength for Dana to continue the journey of caregiver. Celebrate victories and surrender setbacks. That was the end of the email. So when you listen to that, my thought was, well, once again, he spoke, and there really isn't anything else to say, but amen. That's who he was. Today, there's more to say, though. So I got a letter here, a little note that... uh, that Mike Eldridge had written to Dana, and Mike's gone off to Michigan, so he gave me a copy of it. It's in a small print, so hopefully I can get it here. It says, Dear Dana, in remembering Colin, I want you to know that he was the embodiment of accountability for me. Before Colin's journey under the lordship of our king, Colin was the one who held everyone else accountable to a fault. After God, through the Holy Spirit, called Colin, after God, through the Holy Spirit, called Colin to everlasting life, gloriously joined to his Savior and Lord. Colin's passion for accountability was turned inward. Would you think about that one? Man. He was a master of holding others accountable. And after he came to know Jesus, He was a master of holding himself accountable. He became God's modern-day example of Paul of Tarsus to me. His expectation of himself became a model of faithfulness to follow his Lord through whatever trials life may have thrown him. One's faithfulness and character are given a chance to shine when we're challenged by the world, our flesh, and the devil. Cullen was a true life example of holding oneself acceptable, accountable as a disciple of Jesus, of holding oneself accountable as a disciple of Jesus. I remember the first time I spent with Colin 
after his discipleship journey with our Lord began. Remember, Mike was at Walmart at the same time Colin was. Paul DeBell invited me to have lunch with the two of them. Needless to say, I was apprehensive. I was not sure what to expect. But I did know Paul well and trusted his judgment that God ordained lunch. That God ordained lunch began a friendship that became one of God's precious treasures in my life. I learned from a man who modeled lifelong learning guided by a passion for our Lord. I'm thankful that God knitted, quotation, Paul of Northwest Arkansas to my Kelly. That's the Paul apostle, not me. As you well know, God wraps his arms around us through his children while we're in his life. I will be ever grateful to God for Colin and what he means to my journey with our Savior, Lord and King. So I appreciate the opportunity to share this with you. Uh, now we're going to just have a, a time of uh, an open mic, uh, some personal stories. We can go as long as we want. Uh, I'm going to let Brian uh, kind of lead that part. Thanks, Paul. Uh, you know, we Paul and I didn't even compare notes, but I was in uh, a foxhole with Colin for several years, and, and uh, uh, in order to start sharing time, I'll share my little tidbit on Colin and, and what I wrote down, Paul, was I was like, what Colin, what Colin told, what Colin taught me was, and I'm reading this verbatim what I wrote out, I am not my circumstances. Um, you know, uh, I think Colin was a man that uh, experienced good circumstances, um, and he experienced some really bad circumstances. And the truth that he would tell me uh, consistently was, you're not your circumstances. And uh, he brought to life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 for me is rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Um, I think it's funny you and I hit that verse right off the bat, so that ought to, that ought to prove you. We didn't compare notes today. So, so anyway, that was what Colin was for me, but uh, let's honor him. What was he to you guys? Was any guy, anybody want to jump out there and start? Let's go, Carl. Thanks, Brian. So, like Paul, I knew... Um, Colin a little bit through here and one day um, somebody had given my phone number so he sent me a text and he said I need to meet with you and I thought well I wonder why he wants to meet with me because you know I didn't know him well here but my I met with him and he said um, how about you and I pray about starting a foxhole together and it was very interesting because our foxhole had gotten so big that really we were not staying on track at the time and so I was thinking about uh, looking for a smaller one, and then here he comes and he asks that question. So I prayed about it, and he and I, and I asked him, I said, why did you think of me? And he said, I don't know, I just, uh, he said, God laid it on my heart. And I can see why afterwards, because I was just, I don't know, it actually would be three years in December um, that that happened. And so I was just starting to go through all the tough times that we had gone through. And, and so God knew that because he, got, he was at CR, he was at a lot of these other places, and had been through a lot of struggles in his past, he knew I needed somebody like him to just say, look, as, as I think Brian mentioned, you're not your circumstances. You're a child of God, and you can overcome these things. And so it was kind of cool because it says I sat down with Colin for the first probably three months. It was just the two of us. And really, we were talking to other people and inviting other people to join. And as it started, it hadn't started to grow yet, so I got a lot of good personal time with him in that three months. And 
man, it was awesome to just sit with him and hear his wisdom. And he encouraged me through CR and he encouraged me through our circumstances. Just what a joy that was. And then as we had other men jo join our fossil, the same thing as I saw how he encouraged all of those guys. And it just helped me to develop as an encourager as, as well. And that's one thing I really, really appreciate about Colin. Who's next? Good morning, guys. Good to see you guys. Colin. Colin Washburn. I heard that name. I saw that man at a distance for years. He'd be in meetings. And then somehow he got somehow into my circle, so to speak. We got to be in contact with one another. And uh, one day we were out. And Colin, I tell you, and the good things about Colin, but some of the things we knew about Colin, he was hard to get his, hard to be a friend. Colin had a tough time being a friend. And uh, he liked being alone. He was a learner. Wow. He read a tremendous amount of books, nonfiction. I can't find nonfiction to read myself. I've had a hard time. But he's got a stack up beside his lounger and, uh, all the time learning, learning. And uh, so we were out one day by ourselves. And I looked over at Colin and I said, Colin, you're going to be my friend. He looked at me, kind of strange. And I said, you're going to really be my friend. We're going to learn how to be friends. And that started a whole new relationship. As he tried, a very struggle for him to be your friend. And uh, we became intimate friends. Very honest with one another. And a man that I loved dearly. And I miss Colin. I miss Colin. I like to just phone, just the phone call. I like to pick up my phone call, Colin, and talk to him and get some feedback from that wise man. But he was a man that I dearly loved, dearly loved. And uh, he's one of the, the few men in my life I could say was a true, true friend and a friend for life. That's the kind of guy he committed himself to. But uh, watching Colin over the years, wow, what a story. I mean, from the top to the bottom, <laughs> he was a man that never changed, really. Whether he had $40 million or $40, he was the same man. And uh, his circumstances didn't make him. That's one thing he lived out. But uh, the thing that impressed me about him was his love really, for his wife. Wow, what a love relationship. What a story. A love story. 
you're, he was a model. He was a model in his relationships with his wife. Wow. Never gave up. Just gave. But in the end, wow, what a love story. What a love story. And uh, I can say, personally, that I was part of that life. I was part of his life. And uh, what a gift he was to me. And I'd say thank you, Lord, for calling. Um, so, <clears throat> as part of my story um, this month was um, the first time I came to Man Church. And uh, it was that morning that I met Colin for the first time. Um, but really, the thing that I remember about him the most was the last one of the last times I saw Colin. Um, I was having lunch with Brian Craig at the Egg and I, and uh, Colin came in by himself. He didn't see us. He sat down and had his lunch. As he was leaving, he saw us sitting there. And, uh, you know, the thing that struck me was he stopped to greet us, but he wanted to thank Brian for something that Brian had done seven or eight years earlier. Yeah, it had been so, and that caught my attention. He's, and he said, Brian, you know, I just wanted to thank you for that time you came to the house. And I didn't know the circumstances, but, you know, Colin and Dana were going through some, some trials. And Brian and another man had driven from Tulsa to, to be with them and pray for them. And I thought, what an what a amazing picture of gratefulness, gratitude. And the other thing that caught my attention was on his pants was his little badge from when he had been to the jail that morning. So here was a man, and I knew the stories about Cole, and I knew he was at the top of the business world, well-known, well-respected. But here was a man who was spending his later days going to visit the least of these. Okay? Now, Paul and I went to the returning home on Wednesday night, and I have a whole new appreciation for what Colin was doing. Here he was doing that quietly, unassuming. And uh, it challenges me. It challenges me right now thinking about that. What, what, what am I doing? So... I got to know Colin as guys. We have a lot of relationships and they're just transactional. And so I got to know Colin when I first started policing in Boterra, a building in the late 90s. And then I lost contact with him. One day I got a call. John, this is Colin Washburn. I'd like to run a business proposition by you. And boy, was he smart. And uh, worked a couple of deals with him. 
and it was one of the most pleasant dealings in business I've ever had. It was very successful. He knew who to call. He had all the connections. Then I lost contact with him for a couple of years, got involved in Man Church. And when I got involved in Man Church, he said, John, I want to meet you for coffee. And I met him for coffee, and I walked away with a stack of books <laughs> and papers and notes. And they had his personal writings on it. I said, Colin, do you want these back? He goes, no, these are for you. I have copies. He had notes of everything. And when I'd follow up with him and talk to him, he said, hey, remember when we talked about this? How's this going? So he had a, held me accountable. And you just wanted to do good for the guy. And he's a guy that finished the race strong and left a legacy. Really, really smart guy. Really, really wise. A phenomenal memory. Um, a lifelong learner. Wrote a lot of stuff down. Thought about things. Um, invested in people. Heavily, heavily invested in people. Um, and... and what the guys are saying is right. If, if he entrusted something to you, at some point he would circle back around and, and ask you about that. How's that going? Uh, we talked about this, and you said thus and so. And how we, how y'all do, how you doing on that now? Um, just a just a phenomenal, uh, just just a, an amazing guy. Who else? Well, <clears throat> my book is not near as big as Cullen's was and doesn't have as much in it. Uh, he sure has uh, encouraged me and challenged me to be a better journaler. Uh, when I look back over the years at the half-day of prayer notes and prayer requests, Colons were always about somebody else, always about uh, celebrate recovery, uh, returning home. Uh, so he definitely, um, like I guess it was you, Paul, mentioned, uh, held himself accountable. But uh, <laughs> such a big loss for me because. I was just getting annoying. <laughs> uh, but uh, for me, I wish I had more time with him. Uh, I'm not a very uh, good speaker. I'm not a very good note taker. <laughs> so I can learn a lot from him. Uh, we did have one commonality, I guess, and that was... Uh, we both were in retail for many, many years, different companies. I was a small competitor, <laughs> but uh, loved Coben. Miss him. Did uh, anybody here ever get a note? Colin, he uh, he was a little bit. Uh, Famous, maybe infamous in some cases, for passing handwritten notes to his coworkers, um, and people would 
people that received those because it was one of those those deals where he would come back seven years later and thank somebody, remember something that somebody had done uh, that they had long since forgotten about. But people would get those notes and they would keep them because they're like, it's kind of special. Paul, you had something? Just, just along that line, uh, he taught me about note writing and, and I wish I did it on a regular basis. Um, when I first started my <clears throat> semi-annual journeys to Little Rock with my prostate cancer, uh, after the first time, and, and they found some other stuff and wanted me to see another doctor. And so uh, after that first time in July of 2015, uh, I wrote a little note to both those doctors and just said thanks and appreciate the great care. And, and so I, we go back in December, so we go every six months and, and uh, see the first doctor, and she walks in the door and says, good morning, thank you for sending me that note. First words out of her mouth. A couple of hours later, we're in the other doctor's office, he walks in, good afternoon, thanks for sending that note. That really meant a lot to me. Now, I, I was blown away by the power of a simple note to somebody. It's a lost art because we all love to send emails and texts or Twitters or whatever the younger people do. The power of a letter. Uh, the power of a note, but also the power of a letter. He taught me how to write a letter to my children, especially one that, that I was having some issues with. And uh, I don't know that I resolved the issues, but it sure made me feel a lot better. Uh, the power of the written word was one of Colin's things. But as we finish up, I don't, unless anybody else has anything to, to say, I, I'm just listening to you guys reaffirm the fact that here's a man that we're celebrating his life today. And those of us who knew him well and loved him well uh, are grieving deeply. Uh, this is a series of loss that I'm going through right now. Uh, my mother, my father-in-law died on February 1st. Uh, Cohen died on May 8th. My mother-in-law died on May 9th. And a dear friend that we had uh, been able to see two weeks prior died on uh, May 10th from a terrible, terrible uh, uh, infection. So despite all that, and Cohen had that type of thing in his life too, of, of trials, and, and he, he never stopped. And so he finished well. He ran his race. He finished well. And there's no question that, that all of us want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that's my encouragement to us today, is, is that we got to realize, guys, no matter what age you are, uh, you know, us gray hairs, we're all, Cohen was the youngest of us five. The rest of us are in our mid-70s or inching towards 80. <laughs> uh, hard as that is to believe. But finishing well, Colin, when I met him in 2002, had a goal in life. <coughs> and that was to move to Florida get a golf teacher 
because he was a good athlete when he was younger, and see if he could qualify for the senior PGA golf tour. That's where he was in 20 years ago. And you heard Marcus describe again how he finished. All of that was taken away, and yet he finished incredibly strong, touching lives in the Benton County Jail in the Springdale Work Relief Center and returning home. It's a good lesson for all of us. I'll be brief. I've got a lot of Colin stories too, but uh, he certainly had a huge impact on my life. But I think one of the things that Paul just really triggered uh, just now is we talk a lot about legacy and the importance of that. A lot of times we focus on legacy and what we what we build and what's what we left and the impact that we have, the reputations we have, and all that stuff. But what Colin did, and I think his life really rings home to me. It's, it's uh, and I think God's been speaking to me about this. Is what really matters is the men whose lives we invest in. The real legacy we live is in the relationships. That's the only thing that's got any internal value to it. It's not the stuff we build. And Cole built some pretty impressive stuff, and he was extremely successful in his younger days. Um, but uh, if you think about this, the stories we've heard from him this morning, the impact he had on each of us was was personal. It was an impact. I got Colin saying in my head. I hear him speaking every once in a while to me. And so that, that's the thing. I think if there's a real lesson for us to take away, we can all walk away from this, is friendships, the relationships we have with others, and investing the time, spending the time, and putting priority on that versus career, family even, whatever. You know, it's investing in the lives of others. So um, Colin's in a great place today, and, uh, and we'll all join him someday. I was uh, asked to lend this thing. And you were like, I got, I got one. Okay, go ahead. I got one more. <laughs> and and I, I, shared, uh, I shared one Colin story in the email last week about the time he invited me to lunch. And, uh, but I, I wanted to quickly share my, the first time I went to, to Man Church. Um, somebody had invited me, uh, and this was probably 2012. Um, it's the year that we were meeting over at Catalyst Church. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. My first time there, uh, and the guy that gets up to talk that day is Colin Washburn. I've been with Walmart since 1990. Um, Colin Washburn, the name Colin Washburn was kind of kind of legendary. What I knew about him was uh, intense, drives it hard, is a hard man to get to know, and and, uh, high expectations, uh, demanding. Um, And somewhere along the line, and I didn't know the whole story, but it's somewhere along the line, uh, within the halls of Walmart, uh, after achieving some really, really uh, high levels of success had, had, uh, had fallen from grace somewhat. Um, and, and so when he gets up to talk at Manchurch the first time I was there, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I was kind of expecting, I don't know, uh, 
some type of a, a canned uh, pep talk, kind of a devotional kind of a thing. And Colton stood up and just laid all of his junk out on the on the table. Laid all of it. I mean, he basically told the story of the stuff, the highs and the lows and the stuff that he and Dana had been through and how difficult that had been to ride that out and how he found out who his real friends were during that season and uh, he had, was committed to, to staying with, uh, with Dana and they had, they had ridden that out together uh, and I was blown away I was blown away by his humility and his honesty and his authenticity and his willingness to lay all that out on the table. And I was like, if that's what man church is, that's kind of special. And I think that's something that I'd like to be a part of. And that's why I'm still with it and still here and still hanging out with uh, in a foxhole today um, because the first time I was there Colin Washburn showed a remarkable remarkable amount of courage and humility and this accomplished guy this guy who had seen the high, the highest highs and the lowest lows was willing to lay it all out there and say it's also the glory of God Listen to a few of these uh, scriptures. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for the many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but not rich towards God. Next scripture. Do not, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will also be and Jesus said you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last you know as we end today I think we all can agree that Colin died a rich man um, no the balance sheet probably didn't look like it looked like in the 90s uh, the real estate properties probably weren't there. Uh, the dream of Florida didn't happen. Um, no, no beachfront retirement. No PGA senior PGA tour card or, or whatever the goal was. Um, you know, no buildings were named for him. No statues. But what we heard today, Colin died a rich man. Um, and I think Mike, you're getting to that. Um, you know, and I think. As we remind ourselves, this is why we're here. Um, 
This is why we drag our tired butts out of bed to come to Man Church. Um, we share our stories and lives together. Colin shared his stories and his life with a lot of us in this room. Um, we support and encourage each other. We pray and celebrate God's forgiveness, God's grace to us, and God's restoration. Um, we learn from each other. We serve each other. We love each other. You know, as, as I, we close tonight, may we all um, die as rich as Colin died. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord, uh, be with us today. Lord, we just uh, pray that we honor Colin. Um, pray that we uh, can die rich with you, Lord, and we know the fruit that lasts. Um, and Father, I just pray that we... Uh, Abide in you just so you can bear that fruit and remind us of the stuff that lasts. Father, we're thankful for Colin, thankful for his life, thankful for you blessing us with him. Uh, Lord, just uh, uh, we pray that we continue to pursue the lasting fruit. It's your name we pray. Amen. Yes.